Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. We're continuing in a series. It's kind of a choppy series because summer just lends that sometimes, but it's the seven longings of the human heart. And we have seven longings in our heart. God put them in us. We've got them. We can't escape that. But the longings that he's put in us in these seven longings are to drive us deeper to him, not further to the world. And that's the trap that we find ourselves in in this setting. So today is the longing for intimacy without shame. The longing for intimacy without shame. All of humanity is in a constant search for intimacy. We devote ourselves to earning the attention and affection of others. We long, you and I do, to be loved for who we truly are. But we've also been burned by others in attempt to find acceptance. We give our hearts to the world in hopes that others will satisfy our craving for acceptance and love. I want you to go to your word and go to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Don't go to John. Go to 1 John, okay? 1 John chapter 2. Look at verses 15 through 17. 15 through 17. Do not love the world... Or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Listen to 16. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires will pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. The problem is that we've been rejected by the very people and systems we sought to satisfy and to find acceptance and intimacy. So what do we do? We mold and reshape ourselves to change our image, our personality. See, it's a a dangerous thing that we've got here. We've got this world that we're hatched into. Okay, this world pre-programs us and we don't even know it. The world's got these desires and these cravings and they just put them out there and a lot of them have flashing lights around them. And we, shaped in God's image, are put out here in this world. Then as we're in this world at a young age, sometimes as teenagers and sometimes as adults, we get born again. And the the old self is gone, and the new self has come. But we're still in this world. We're still passing through. We're in it, but we're taught not to be of it. 
That's a difficult thing. Because in this world, we're told that we got to do this, wear this, smell like this, eat like this, walk like this, buy this, live here, drive this, go there, go here. All this stuff's being told that if we're going to be something, this is what you got to do. And we have this desire in us, this longing in us to be accepted and loved just like we are. But then the world says, if you don't look like this and smell like this and walk like this and all this, you're not it, and no one will love you. So we begin to change who we are for the applause of man and the attention of man. And the whole system that's built, then we shape ourselves and reshape ourselves to fit in it, it doesn't love us back. In return, it rejects us. So we walk into middle school... And we've got our lunch tray. And there are seven people at a table. And we know them. And our families are friends. And we walk up and we set our tray down and we start to sit and all seven get up and leave. What's wrong with me? Don't I look like you? Don't I act like you? Don't I smell like you? Don't I talk like you? So this whole system that we're hatched into says do it this way, and we do it, and sometimes and oftentimes the system and the people reject us. And then we start becoming something and doing something that we were never made to do. All for what? The cravings of intimacy without shame. To be accepted, to be loved. It's a mean world. We project who we think we should be instead of who we really are. We project who we feel others want us to be the whole time believing a big, fat lie. And here's the big, fat lie if you're taking notes. The big, fat lie is this, that who you really are isn't enough. (laughs) You ever been there? How old were you when you felt that? Were you in elementary? Were you in junior high? Did you get it all the way to high school? Or were you cool in high school and not accepted in college? You see, sometimes if it doesn't play out, we carry it on in the adult world. See, adults struggle with this too. Don't say, well, this sounds like a message for teenagers. Hmm, excuse me. No, it's not. Because adults can feel the same way, but we hide behind our job title and behind the desk and behind what we wear and the car we drive or the house we own. But we're all after the pursuit of intimacy. Someone loving me just for who I am. Not having to change. So what do we do with this big lie that I'm not enough? What what do we want? What we want is to be fully known and fully accepted. Now think about that. For someone to know everything about me and still want to be with me. Some people have walked into marriage thinking marriage might get that. Sometimes we have secrets in our own marriages. We don't even talk about that. We long for intimacy without shame. So the big lie is that that who we are, who we really are, isn't enough. Here's the truth. 
that who you really are is enough. And it doesn't matter if people say that to you until one person says it to you. And that is your heavenly father. Can I tell you that you can tell that to a bunch of people that you are enough, you are enough, you are enough, just like you are, you are enough. They love you, just, they will love you, they will eventually accept you, they will eventually be your friend, they will eventually take you in. You've got to understand and believe that. But here's the deal. You can scream it and you can say it, but until that individual hears that from their heavenly father, they will never accept it. You see, until we sit with the Father and we understand that we are loved by a good, good Father, that our Heavenly Father who is perfect loves me who is imperfect. And when you accept that your ears may look different and your nose may be big or your walk may not be cool or your arms are longer than your legs or you, you just have a lopsided head, I don't know, but everybody in here could say one thing about themselves that they wish they could change. You do. Until you understand that what he made is beautiful, you will never be beautiful. Can you understand that? You, 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 you will chase what the world says beauty looks like, and you will be, you can start chasing when you're 12, and when you're 82, you still won't catch that. You won't catch it until you understand, until you can look at the mirror and hear the Father say back to you, you're beautiful, you're handsome, you're wonderful just like I made you. You do not have to dance to music that I did not write. You've got to understand that the Father is the one that wants to say that over you. So this truth of who you are is really enough. This deception and this big fat lie that we've heard earlier holds true for all of us because all of us have been affected by Adam and Eve's original sin. And I want you to see this in Scripture. I want you to go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. I want you to look at verse 8. Genesis 3, 8. Genesis 3, 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. I'm going to stop there. You remember they just took a bite from the tree that God said don't eat from. Okay? And they hid because they heard God. They hid because they knew they did something wrong. There was shame. The intimacy was broken. And they heard something coming, and they knew it was God, and they hid from him. Okay? Now, I want to go ahead and read 9 and 10, and then I want to tie it all in together. Look at 9. But the Lord God called to man where... Are you? Verse 10, he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, 
so I hid. I want you to see something. In verse 8, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. That's what they did. They heard him coming, and they didn't want to be in his presence, so they hid. Can I say this to you? The greatest location for you and I is in the presence of the Lord. That, I mean, that, I mean that, that's the greatest location. If we can understand that no matter what happens to us, what kind of day we have, what people do to us, all the disappointments, all the statements, all the things said to us, that the greatest place you can be is to run as quick as you can and get alone in your little area of sanctuary in the presence of God and sit in his presence. And all the lies that the world yells at you and screams at you and all the static you hear all, all week, all day long, will be drowned out by the words and the voice and the presence of God. In the midst of all that pain and hurt and disappointment, and rejection and shame, the Father wants you in His presence. See, what we don't understand is when he is pursuing them in that garden at that time, he is not coming with a club or a Louisville slugger. He's not going, you took that apple. I'm about to knock your head off for taking it. I thought I told you not to take that apple. That's not what he's doing. But that's what we think is going to happen. So they hid from him. I want you to see what happens in nine. The Lord simply said to man, where are you? what he's saying today while you're out there and while we are out there myself included trying to dance to music and be all that the world tells us to be and we're hollow empty and shallow and it's not working the system we trusted that we perform for is not applauding us doesn't like us doesn't accept us we still get rejected we still get hurt we still have shame we become something we're not then we begin to act out of that because we think that's who we are and then we start doing stuff. And then we're like, oh my gosh, I did that. Now God doesn't want to be with me. I know. So now I'm going to hide from him because I don't want to be in his presence because I just did that. And I'm ashamed of myself. And I'm going to walk in shame because that's not who I am. But I don't even know why I did that. But they said, do that because you'll be cool. So I smoked it and I drank it and I did that. Because why? Because I want them to like me. And now God is saying, where are you? What he is saying to you is, where are you that I made? Where's the you that I made? See, we think we're not enough. But God says you are enough. That's the one I want to spend time with. But the world says, oh, you're not enough. So you say, well, if I'm not enough to the world, it's sure not going to be enough to God, so I'm going to hide. So that's what we do. We hide, and we don't let who we really are come through. The Father says, where are you? Let me ask you today, is he saying that to you today? Where are you? Where's the one I really made? Not the one you pretend to be. Where are you? Because I want to know you. I want you to sit in my presence. I have a word for you. Let me teach you a truth about God. You may or may not know this. Questions from God are not for God to answer. Do you know that? 
He says, where are you? I want you to think about something. God just made them. I mean, it's just a garden, correct? Where are they going to go? And then no New York City. No Honolulu. Nowhere to go. They're in the garden. He just made them. And God is walking through the garden. They're hiding. And he asks a question, where are you? Like, and if I'm at him, I'm like, God, if I got to help you with this one, the rest of creation's in trouble. Amen? I mean, you just made two people. Can you not keep up with two? Come on, God. God doesn't ask questions because he doesn't know the answer. God knows the answer. The question is asked to hear our answer. That's what it's all about. Where are you? What he's asking is, where are you? Where's the one I made? Where's that little guy? Where's that little girl? Where's the one I know because I knit you together in your mother's womb and I call you fearfully and wonderfully made? Not the one that you've become because the world says become this. Because you're scared and hiding. But where's the one I made? See, what he's looking for is for us to answer the question honestly. Because until we get honest of where we are, God will never take us where he wants us to be. Never. Once you look at Genesis 10, 310, when you look at the steps here, I heard you. I was afraid. I was naked. And I hid myself. I want you to understand something. God said, where are you? The question was not because God didn't know where they were. The question was for them to answer honestly where they were, to give an honest answer. See, until we get honest, we can't get well. Y'all understand that? let Let me help you with Scripture. Man in a pool, Bethesda. Been laying by this pool for 30-something years. The tradition is if the water is spinning, the first one in gets healed. So this guy is paralyzed, meaning can't walk, can't get up on his own. So he's laying there in front of this water. All these people have come by and seen this man here. The water begins to stir, and that dude can't get up. So somebody always beats him in. So he's laying there, been laying there forever. All of a sudden, Jesus walks by. Now, typical question when people walk by him was probably, oh, sir, I'm sorry. Do you want me to help you get into the pool? Jesus doesn't say any of those questions. He simply looks at the man laying there, and he asks this man simple, do you want to get well? <laughs> do I want to get well? Can I just tell you something? There are people that just flat jack don't want to get well. Have y'all met them people? All right, got a Sunday school class, small group. They got a prayer request every week. I got, I got bunion on my foot. My, my elbow hurts. My finger hurts. My, my rib hurts. I ran over my dog. Last week I ran over my cat. Now my hot water heater busted. My grass won't grow. My peach tree I planted is dead. I mean, I'm like, Lord, don't ask for prayer requests no more. I can't take it. I can't take it. They're sending me into depression, okay? I mean, they always have something. 
And I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying that there are some people that don't want to get well because when you get well, you don't get attention any longer. And some people want attention from this world and what they're craving is attention from the Father. And if they'll run to the right place, they'll get well and never have to go there again. See, if you help somebody without healing somebody, you're going to have to help them again. And sometimes what we need is to be healed. Jesus asked the man at the bull of Bethesda, do you want to get well? He didn't ask him, do you want me to help you into the water? Because if he helps him into the water, you're going to have to help him again. Jesus said, I'll just give you some new legs, but you don't have to get in this pool. I don't know what this pool thing is anyway. It doesn't even work. <laughs> you just lay in there for <laughs> some made-up thing, all right? It's not going to work. The woman caught in adultery, Jesus said, where are those who accuse you? There are none. Then neither do I. Go and leave your life of what? Shame. Leave your life of sin. The woman caught in the, the woman at the well, five husbands living with a man. What is she looking for? Acceptance of who she really is, just intimacy with one person. She couldn't, so she pretended for all these people to be everything. She still wasn't satisfied. That's why she went to the well when she went to, and lo and behold, she met Jesus. She said, listen, I don't want to be husband number seven. I don't. I'm not even interested in shacking up with you. I'm, I'm interested in healing you. I'm interested in becoming a well in you that springs up for eternity where you never have to come here and draw water from these guys that can't even produce the water. They can't give you no water. If, if number one didn't do it, five didn't do it, and six, you're not going to do it because he's not any better. I want to become in you something you never have to go to man ever get again. Because when you get honest and answer where you are, then he can meet you where you are, and he can heal you and take you where you need to be. As long as you don't answer him in the garden, you'll never get healed. Where are you? Shh. No, I can't answer that. I don't want him to know where I'm at because I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed of what I've done. You see, we're all there, just like Genesis 3.10. We hear him. What do we hear him with today? The Holy Spirit. We hear the Holy Spirit today. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, and he speaks for the Father. The father says, where are you? Oh, we heard him. We heard him. But then what happens? The opposite of faith pops up, fear. Fear is the opposite of faith. God calls you, says, I want to heal you. I'm saying your name. I hear you, but I'm scared. I don't want to change. I don't have confidence. I, I, I put myself out there before and got rejected. I don't want to put myself out there again. Because what if I'm rejected again? I can't handle that again. Listen to me. Don't put yourself out there for them. Put yourself here with me. Let me love you and tell you who you are. Then you walk in that spirit out there with them. And if they reject you, guess what? It's okay. Because I told you they reject you because they rejected me. But I'll never reject you. And one day, when you realize who you are in me, and I put you out there, I'm going to bring people into your life that will love you for who you are, not for what you think you need to be. You got to trust God that when you really put yourself out there in this world for people to accept and love, you got to first go out there knowing who you are when you walk out in that world. Because if you don't know who you are when you walk out in that world, the world will begin to identify and will begin to define who you are, and you'll begin to dance in that little music, and it won't work because they'll change that station so often you can't keep up. Listen to me. If you hear him, don't be afraid. 
Let him come and heal those wounds from past scars of acceptance and rejection and all that shame and be intimate with the Father and he'll send you out there and he'll put people in your life that love you for who you are and you won't have to pretend any longer. Why were they afraid? Well, they were afraid because they were naked. That's an interesting statement. He made them naked. Why, was he, why were they afraid that God would see them naked? He wasn't afraid that they were naked. They didn't even know they were naked until they saw each other. What the problem is, is their identity was revealed. That's what happened. You see, we figure out in this world that if we live in this world long enough and try to pretend to be what people want us to be in this world, our identity becomes what the world is. And when God says, I want you to come and sit with me in intimacy, because I want to tell you really who you are, because who you're trying to be, that's not who you are. Your identity has been revealed. God knows who you are because he made you. He knows exactly who you are. He wants to make you out of what he made you so that you will be set free from that. Sin immediately and tragically brought shame. It brought shame. It brought separation and destruction to perfect intimacy. It says in John 10, 10, that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Still trying it today. Jesus said, I came to give him life more abundantly. Same thing. What's he trying to do to your life? What's he trying to do to you? Kill, steal, and destroy you. That's what he's trying to do. The big question is, what's changed today? Nothing's changed today. The same struggle in Genesis is alive and well today. Spend a little time on public school campuses, private school campuses. Spend time. This is what you're supposed to be like. This is what you're supposed to be like. This is what you're supposed to dress like. This is what you're supposed to smell like, act like, eat like, all that stuff. No, this is what you're supposed to be like. When you get in here and sit with him, then you can walk out in this world. You're going to take your hits, trust me. But they will ricochet off of you because your identity is grounded as a sonship. You'll know who you are in Christ. The greatest thing you can teach your son or daughter is their identity in Christ. The greatest thing. If they learn to ride a horse too, great. But the greatest thing is their identity in Christ. Who they know. Who they are. Too often we live our lives as if Scripture stopped at Genesis 3.10. But I want to call your attention to Genesis 3.21. Genesis 3.21 says, says this, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. <laughs> Sitting there in shame, embarrassed, and hiding from God. And God puts together some nice little garments and covers them. Can I just tell you this? Since the cross, my friend, when Jesus bore our sins up on that cross, and that blood dripped and cleansed us, what can wash me white as snow? Nothing but the blood. Nothing but the blood. See, when you get out there and pretend and fall into sin in this world and you become, your identity's messed up and you become and do stuff that you're not who you are and you have sin in your life and you have shame in your life, I want you to know you don't hide from God. You go to God because he knows who you are. He will take you, wrap his arms of grace around you, hold you, hug you, and squeeze you and the blood of Christ who washes all your sins will cover you and wash you and make you new. And then he will put you back out there 
in this world. But you will go out there different than you went out there before because now you know you're forgiven, cleansed, and who you are in Christ. And now you stand on the word of God, not on the, world of the, not on the, the foundation of the world. The foundation of the world will crumble. You've got to understand who you are and know who you are in the Lord. The Lord God made a covering for their shame, and he makes a covering for your shame today. He will clothe us in perfect righteous nature of Christ. Our lives are perfectly hidden in him. He doesn't even see our sins because we're hidden in him. The Father doesn't even see it because the righteousness of Christ hides us in that because he covers us in that. He speaks truth where lies have resounded in our lives. He speaks life where there seems to be only death. He brings light to darkness and to most desolated places of our hearts. Here's our destiny. Our destiny will always be intimacy without shame. To be fully loved and to be fully known by our perfect Father. I have good news for you this morning. You are enough. You are enough. You are. I'm enough and you're enough. Oh, I'm enough in all my mess-ups, quirks, and weird stuff. See, all my quirks he thinks is cool. My family does not think they're cool. All right? They embarrass them a lot. All right? But I'm telling you, he loves us just like we are. See, I spent a lot of my life early having the world identify me. You may have gotten some initials through the public school system that identified you. Mm. Listen to me. That sidewalk chalk, man, washes off in the rain. Can I tell you that? You need to understand what he wrote on your heart and what he called you and what your name is in him. You are enough. There's some people in here who need to hear that because you're still telling yourself you're not enough. And so you go and spend countless amount of money and energy trying to be something that you think you need to be for the acceptance and love of a system and of people who never will be satisfied. Never. But if you will find your acceptance and love and intimacy in just the presence of God and let your heavenly Father, the good, good Father, the perfect Father, tell you that you are enough, you will walk from that setting out into this mean, mean world and you will be a testimony of a child of God's. Let God tell you today that you're enough. As we move to our time of invitation, I'm going to invite the worship team up. I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to ask our altar ministry team to come to the front. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. Invitation simple. Invitation time is for you and I to respond to him. That's all it is. We have people up here that want to pray over you. The altar's open. You may be sitting here today, and you need to hear that you're enough. You need to say that. I am enough. I am enough. So I want to pray over you. If you need to move anytime, do an invitation. This time is yours. We'll worship, and invitation is all yours. Let's pray. Father, we love you.
God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for the truth of your word. Now, we don't have to hide in our shame. You sought us out in the garden, called our name. You know where we're at. More importantly, you know who we are. God, I pray that we no longer pretend to be something that we're taught and told we need to be. But God, that we're only what you want us to be and what you've called us to be. So God, during this invitation time, may we simply respond to you. What you've said over us. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you. Be honored now in Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram, by using the Church at Bushland, and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland. 